today I have one of the best gifts I have ever gotten. And so here's the deal. When Tracy and I, so the boys moved out of the house, you know, pretty much. And so usually when we watch movies, it's Tracy and Trinity and I, my daughter, wife, and I. And they want to watch these girly movies, which is fine. I watch these girly movies with them, but they don't let me say anything. I'm not allowed to talk. But I'm like, I'm trying to help the movie because this, this is not good, you know? This is not good. And uh, so they, they're going to go see a girly movie today. And I said, it's Father's Day. You can't go to a movie without me. I said, I want to go. They're like, you want to go? Yes. And I want the right to talk during the movie. That's my Father's Day gift right there. I get to sit between them and give utterance as the Lord speaks to me. Amen? So it's going to be a, a good day. Well, we're, we're, we're in a series called Success is Earned, and, and uh, basically we're, we're learning uh, how to become truly successful. Uh, you know, I think that the world has painted a picture of success that, 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 it, that is temporary, that's really short-sighted, and we've, we've said several things. First of all, success, we, we said what it is not. Success is not defined by what we achieve in life. There's nothing you can achieve that will, that will grant you uh, success. Success is not defined by power, prestige, or titles. Success is not defined by what we acquire, by our possessions. And we've learned that success is really found in who we are, in, in our character. It's who we are as people. And we've learned that successful people, they just live differently than the average person in society. Successful parents parent differently than the people uh, who have bad relationships with their kids. Successful uh, people, they just live, they have a different set of morals, values. They live a principle-centered life that sets them apart. And we've been taking characteristics in the life of Joseph, and we're in week seven now, so there's many of them. We start off with faithfulness, that Joseph was faithful, and you can never be successful without being faithful. We talked about how it's necessary to have God's favor upon our lives. And, you know, we can do our very best, but we need God to sprinkle his favor on our lives to help us, so to cause people to like us. You know, you know you have God's favor on your life when people that shouldn't like you like you. That's God's favor. And, and God's favor can do more in, a, in just a few moments than you working years and years for. God's favor is the cherry on top of the sundae. And we've talked about an identity. You have to know who you are, your identity. And last week, if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to go back and listen to the lesson we talked about. Uh, Jesus said this, that if you want to be great or if you want to be successful, you have to learn how to serve others. And, and uh, it was not the most fun, rah-rah, funny lesson I've ever done. But if you want to be great in God's eyes, you have to learn how to serve people. And I said that the majority of people who go to church every week don't do anything to serve others. And we've got to change that. We've got to turn that around. We have to develop a servant's heart. And so anyway, that's a short story, but there's about 42 minutes of it if you want the whole thing from last week, okay? It's on our website. And so today we're going to talk about how Joseph earned success as a father. How did Joseph, he earn success, uh, you know, as a father? And uh, basically, when you read the story of Joseph in the Bible, it really doesn't say a whole lot about his parenting ability, about being a father. It doesn't, it doesn't talk a whole lot about that. It mentions that he, that he has children, specifically Ephraim and Manasseh, who later became tribes in Israel. But then it says that he had children after them. But so on the, just if you surface read, 
There's, it doesn't say a whole lot about that. However, if you take a deeper look in the story, you come to understand uh, that Joseph was very intentional in the way that he raised his kids as a father. He was very intentional about what his kids learned and saw and, and really where their heart was. And here's the key. Although Joseph raised his kids in Egypt, he made sure that their hearts were in Israel. Even though he raised his kids in Egypt, he made sure that their hearts remained true to the living God, the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph couldn't control his surroundings. And I want you to understand that, fathers. We cannot control the surroundings that are around us. We can't control shootings going on. We can't control people running over people with cars. I mean, we live in a world that is so far from God right now, and, and, and demonic forces have taken over. You, you have to be demonically controlled just to run innocent people over with cars. And a lot of the things you read on the news, I mean, that, that's a spirit that, that is the opposite of, 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 of what God is. So, but he was intentional to share his love for God and to make sure that his kids understood their spiritual identity. So Joseph raised his kids in Egypt, the hotbed of, of everything secular. Uh, he raised his kids in Egypt, but their identity was still in Israel. Their heart went back to the God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and J Jacob. So basically, Joseph passed on a spiritual inheritance, a legacy, uh, to his children. So fathers today, what I want to do is I want to encourage you, as I always do. So if I say something, if you feel like, oh, I'm really messing up, I don't, listen, as a pastor, as a friend, I never want to, listen, I never want to beat anyone up, okay? Because you know what? Last week, I did some things that I had to repent for. That's what being a Christian is. You mess up, you repent, you do better. So if you're not happy with where you are at being a father, and I, I want to say this too. This world is in such need of fathers. If you do not yet have your kids, or if you're in a position in life and you, never, you don't think you ever will, there are a multitude of children out there that need fathers. And, and I mean, men who will love them and, and pick them up and, and help them. But I just want to I, I wanna share with you about three things that Joseph did to make sure that even though he raised his kids in Egypt, their heart was in Israel. I'm telling you, the last few generations, we have raised them in Egypt, we, even in church. We've raised kids in our surroundings are Egypt, and our kids have come to love Egypt. That, that, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't deny the facts. You can raise your kids. You can't, you can't choose your surroundings. I mean, you've you got to raise them in the culture wherever, wherever we're at. But you can raise kids. Joseph proved this. You can raise kids who still have, who are born in Egypt but still have a heart for Israel. And uh, anyway, so let me, let me just point this out so, because some of you may understand why do you keep saying Israel, Egypt, and Israel? In the Bible, in the Bible, Egypt was always, there's a lot of symbolism in the Bible. And Egypt always, always reflected, it was always symbolic of sin worldliness and our carnal nature or our flesh 
You say, well, Terry, what is, our, what is my carnal nature? I'll put it real simply. Uh, all, the things that you do that you know you shouldn't. Okay? Getting mad at people when you shouldn't get mad. Not being patient with people. Putting yourself as the number one important instead of other people. That's, our, our, our flesh is everything bes- that's opposite of how God wants us to live. So Egypt represents that. In Israel, of course, it just represents, it represents the place that God was taking his children to, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And, and so, uh, you know, it really represents a relationship with God uh, that was temporary on this earth, but one day would be fulfilled in eternity of perfection, okay? Israel wasn't, Israel wasn't perfect, but it was a lot better than Egypt, and, and Israel was also it was symbolic that one day we were going on to eternity with God. So let, let's look at this. We learn, uh, you know, first, first of all, you say, well, well, you know, this is significant because uh, we talked about how in the past how Joseph lived 110 years. His first 17 years he lived in Israel. The remaining 93 years he lived in Egypt. Israel had such a profound effect on his life that those 17 years guided his next 93. And so, I mean, think about this. And then he raises his kids in, in Egypt. His kids, had, his kids never saw Israel. They, they, they never saw the things that, that, that Joseph was able to see. But, but, we, but we, we get a sense that it was so instilled in them uh, the 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 principle of of uh, eternity over over the over the temporary things in life, and so let, let's go let, let's start with this morning three things. I know I know that I had someone come up to me today, and it's okay. There's no sermon notes today, but you're going to be okay. All right, my secretary was out of town. About 99 percent of the time, we have sermon notes, so next week I will load you up with sermon notes. Okay, um, three things: successful fathers. Value spiritual inheritance over material inheritance. A godly father, a successful father, Joseph, he valued spiritual inheritance over material inheritance. So think about this. Joseph's children were raised in the luxury of Egypt. Joseph was at the pinnacle of his career. He was the prime minister in Egypt, which you know what that meant, that he probably lived in a pretty amazing house. Yeah? He probably ate the best food that Egypt had to offer. He probably drove the nicest chariot. Right? Hey, you think you give your kids a car. That's nothing special. Give them a chariot. That's something special right there. Uh, but but th- think about it. I mean, we know that Pharaoh had chariots, but, but, but Joseph would have had one of his chariots to get around in. And, and so, I mean, clothes. Joseph's children would have been wearing the best clothes. He was second in command. And, and, and he would have been wearing the designer clothes of that day. But here's the thing. Joseph was able to impart to his children uh, that his heart was not captivated by the things of Egypt. Isn't it easy to become, how do you say, it's very easy to, to, be, to become, to fall in love with the things in Egypt, with the things 
in our world. And, and Joseph, he never did. His heart, his heart was never in love with the extravagance of Egypt. His heart always went back to the simplicity of Israel. And I want to read a passage, and it's, it's kind of long, actually. Um, but it's very important. And it's, it's, we're going to take everything we do from this scripture today. And maybe, you, maybe when you're reading your Bible, you know, sometimes you're reading your Bible, and, it, and I, I'm guilty of this sometimes. Like, I know how much I have to read to get to the Bible in a year. And I'm short on time, so I'm like, oh, it's a genealogy. I've read that ten times. I don't need to read it. So sometimes... Sometimes we're, we're skimming over things, but everything in the Bible is actually there and has, it's giving us detail into stuff. So let me read this. It's in Genesis chapter 48, verse 1 through 20, and it says, Sometime later, Joseph was told that his father was ill, so he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. And when Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel, his father Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel, he rallied his strength and sat up on, it, on the bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan. And there he blessed me and he said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. And I will make you a community of peoples. And I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt. He's talking about Ephraim and Manasseh. Before I came to you here, will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simon are mine. Any children born to you after them will be yours. In the, in, in the territory they inherit, they will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. So here, here's what this is saying. What, what Israel is saying, what Jacob is saying to his son Joseph is, your two sons born before I came, Ephraim and Manasseh, Listen, they're in my covenant. They're going to get a piece of the covenant. And, but what it's, it's not saying that the children born after them will not be in the covenant, but they just they won't get their own tribe. They won't get their own land. They, they will be under Ephraim and Manasseh and live in their land. We just wanted to point that out. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, Who, who are these? They are the sons God has given me here. Joseph said to his father, Then Israel said, Bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So we, we know that, that Israel, he had already met Ephraim and Manasseh. He, his, his eyes were blind. He's, not, he's, he's hardly able to see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took, took both of them, Ephraim, Ephraim on, on his right toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. And the whole thing is that uh, when they blessed him, the dad would always put the right hand on the oldest son, the left hand on the younger son. But Israel reached out his, hand, his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, so he did the switcheroo on him, and crossing his arms, he put the left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, 
May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been the shepherd, my shepherd, all the days of my life. I mean, just when we hear these blessings, when we hear these blessings, it, sh- it, it should affect us. And so he's at the end of his life and he's, he's thanking God, I never thought I'd see my son, now I see my grandsons. And he starts his blessing with, may, may God who has been my shepherd and taken care of me my whole life, he's imparting this on these boys that God would be their, their shepherd as well. And the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys May, may they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. Now, when Joseph saw the father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh, Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to him, no, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. And he too will become a people. And he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he. And his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. And, uh, I mean, if you, if you read the story, if you read through the book, you know, and continue through Exodus and all this, you see that the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh were both fairly large, but Ephraim was the biggest. And God just, God just put his hand upon this boy. So the Hebrew people, they had a customary ceremony that before the father would die, he would always, he would put a blessing on, on his children. And uh, you can go back in the Bible and, and read about that. And it, it, was, it was a special situation. And so what I want to, the whole point here is that Joseph gets word that his dad's not doing well. Now his dad's been living in the land a while. He's, he's gone out, he's talked to his dad. But his, he's never had, his father has never blessed his children. And uh, so he, he, he runs out there, he gets Ephraim and Manasseh. You know, we don't know what they're doing, but I'm sure probably the last thing they want to do was to run out and see granddad, right? And he said, come on. And again, I just, I just want you to, to think about everything that Joseph had, but the, the, the primacy, the, the priority he put on making sure his father blessed him before he died. I mean, it was just, it was just very, very important uh, to him. He didn't want his children, uh, you know, to miss out on this opportunity. And Here's, here's, what I want to, here's what I want you to know, fathers. Do you put a spiritual inheritance above material inheritance? I want you to think about that because I see how excited dads get about so many things. But I don't know if they're ex- that excited with their kids about reading the Bible. I don't know if they're that excited about their kids about serving at the church. I, I, I see some of the things that they get happy about that just really makes their heart jump. And let me tell you this, if I see it, your kids see it. Your kids know what brings you the greatest joy, the greatest satisfaction. And I believe this day, Ephraim and Manasseh, they saw how important it was to their father Joseph that, this, they, that they received the spiritual blessing. It's something they took for them. 
that impacted them the rest of their lives. So let's talk about the historical impact of this blessing. There's several things happen in this blessing beyond just Ephraim and Manasseh. If you, when I was reading the story, it says this, that as Israel went to bless Ephraim and Manasseh, that it says this, that he blessed Joseph. What does that mean? You see, the oldest son was not Joseph. It was Reuben, okay? And at, at, with this ceremony, Joseph receives the double portion normally allotted to the first firstborn. And here's how you know. When you read the 12 tribes of Israel, there's no tribe of Joseph. There's, there's two. There's the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh. He got a double portion of inheritance in the land. Two tribes repre representing him. Uh, and you say, well, how'd that happen? Well, first of all, Levi is a tribe, but they don't get an inheritance because God was their inheritance, and they got places to live within the other 12 tribes. So Joseph got a double portion here. And a double portion usually went to the oldest son, which meant that they got a double portion of the inheritance and spiritual leadership of the family. The second thing is that Ephraim and Manasseh are brought into covenant, into the covenant that Abraham had with God, as well as his future children. So he says, today Ephraim and Manasseh will be reckoned unto me. They will be a part of the covenant, and all your children will be under Ephraim and Manasseh. The third thing is this, of course, Ephraim was placed above Manasseh. And the last thing that's very important is that, it, that Ephraim and Manasseh are blessed and elevated above the other tribes. It, what he says, may it be said of you, may we be blessed like Ephraim and Manasseh. So the, the, the family of Joseph was elevated and his boys were elevated. So here's the point, fathers. We need to make sure that we're placing a higher value on spiritual things than we are material things. And I know it's important that you make money. I know it's important that you have a good career. It's important to give our kids the things that we need. But I'm telling you, materialism has consumed the church. Materialism has consumed the church to the point where we're more concerned about getting stuff for, for us instead of supporting the kingdom of God. Listen, I want, my, I want my kids to know. I want my kids to know, hey, your mom and dad, we, 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 we tithe to the church. We give to missions. I want them to know that my heart is not in the house we live in. It is not in the cars that we drive. It's in supporting missionaries around the world and supporting the local church. And I'll be honest with you, there's two ways you can tell how important something is to you. How much you spend on it and how much time you give into it. Your checkbook and your calendar. Your bank account and your calendar. And so anyway, I'm going to move on. That was just getting it real this morning. You okay? All right. But, but think about this. We might as well just talk real in church. Our kids, we, we're not faking our kids out. They know what's important to us. So let's just make it real clear. Let's make sure our money is going to build the things of God, and let's make sure our time is going to build the kingdom of God and to serve people. Those two things get you way down the road. I've always, I've always been shocked by this one statistic. And uh, it says this, that if all a dad did, and this is the low end, we, we don't want to be there, okay? We want to be up here. But if a dad went to church every Sunday, 65% of their kids would go to church when they were adults. 
If the mom went to church and the dad did not, 35%. But even if a dad wasn't perfect, the one thing he did is we go to church, man. We go to church, we serve, and, and you say, I'm just saying kids are impacted because sometimes, this is not, this is not true, but this is how kids see it, okay? The mom and dad have equal importance and value, but a lot of times kids see it this way, well, if dad does it, it must really be important. That, that's a kid's mindset, okay? Uh, you know, mom does a lot of things, but if dad does it, it's very, very important. And that's really a shame, but uh, anyway, that's the truth there. So that's the stat. So let's, the second thing, number two, successful fathers understand that God's blessings are limitless. See, we've, we've made a big mistake in that we want to give our kids all these things. We want to give them the best education. We want to get them this. We want to get them in this internship and that internship. We want to get them in this school. And what, they don't, what we don't understand is no matter what you give them, God is the only one that has limitless opportunities for your children. You, you understand? I mean, I'm not saying to send your kids out illiterate and say, well, God bless you. No, that's not... That's not what I'm saying. What, but what I'm saying is, uh, we, uh, let's just go to the, the, the life of Joseph. So, you know, when our kids are under the spiritual blessing of God, there's no limit to what they can accomplish in life. God can and will open doors for them uh, no matter what happens. And, and, and that his blessings, basically Joseph understood that his blessing, God's blessing upon their life, was the one thing that could make them reach the stars. You know, that God's blessing upon their life would be with them. God would be with them when Joseph couldn't be. God would be with them when people came against them. I mean, it, it was God's blessing is the one limitless factor, uh, you know, in our kids' lives. So, so jo Joseph knew that all the that all the things he could give his children, and we've talked about, Joseph had a lot to give his kids, in, in materially-wise, in Egypt. And Joseph understood that the most valuable asset I can give my kids is a spiritual inheritance and, and the blessing of God upon their life. That's the one thing that will get them further, uh, you know, th than anything else in life. God's blessing, it will carry them through life, God's blessing would be there when, when, he, when he was not. You know, and, and, and I, I think that as fathers, I think all fathers pretty much, you know, that love their kids would say the same thing. You know, like for, for me, um, at the end of the day, I don't care so much about me, but I want to see my kids do better than I did. We all want to see our kids. We don't want to see our kids you know, struggling down, down the road. We want to see our kids blessed and all that. Having said that, this is what I see. You know, I, I, today, and specific with fathers, I see fathers striving to help their kids, and, and literally, they're slaving away and selling their soul to give their kids things that don't really matter. I mean, if you're going to work your heart hard to give your kids something, give them something that matters. It's these type of things. I see parents going into massive amount of debts to give their kids experiences. Like they have to have this one experience before they leave home or it's just not going to be a good home. 
No, seriously, I met one family that took their kids to Disney World eight times. Eight times. They went and they would go every season, you know, Christmas and this and that. They went bankrupt. They went bankrupt giving their kids an experience. You know, now their kids are in their 30s. I don't think their kids are going back saying, do you, do you, boy, Disney World changed my life. <laughs> now, we could barely eat. Mom and dad are bankrupt. But did you enjoy that trip? I mean, yeah, but I, I, I want to I tell you something. Experiences are not bad for your kids. And we should try to give our kids experiences to history, to biblical things. But I just want to say experiences, there's no vacation that's going to make your kid's life complete. Possessions. Man, we want to give our kids, you know, the best cars. You know, they're 16, they hadn't hardly worked, and we give them a $40,000, $50,000 car, and, you know, they wreck it. You do know that your kids are probably going to wreck their first car, huh? So start low. Start low. Start in something big. But, I mean, think about this. Possessions. We want our kids to have these cars. We want to have a certain house. We want them to have certain clothes. None of that is going to matter when they leave home. Not one thing. It's not going to matter at all. Uh, it just it doesn't have value. You know, education. I'm all about it. Listen, I want to tell you this. I'm all about education. But I think as Christians, we need to rethink this thing. Our universities have turned into a hotbed of, of God-haters. I said it. I mean, if you, when I went to school, you know, when I went to college, I remember the bio, biology class, and the professor didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the Bible, didn't believe in the creation. Today, there's public humiliation if you don't agree with them. I mean, you have, you have watched news. You, you do know what's happening on some of our university campuses. So, you know, I'm not so sure spending $100,000 on education from people who hate God I'm not so sure that's the best course of action. I, I am for education. All my kids are, are about to be done with college. I'm so happy. Trace and I are going to be living the La Vida Loca, right? It's crazy. <laughs> am I, am, I'm just trying to communicate. I'm just saying that we're working to give our kids things that I'm not sure they're as valuable as you think they are. But when they have God's blessings upon their life, when they're living and obeying God's word, man, when, when our kids are living and obeying God's word, that's the one thing that can elevate them in life. That's the one thing that God will bless. So it has to be high up on our priority. The last thing, the last thing is this. Successful fathers understand that, ev that everything starts in the home. Fathers, I want you to understand this. Everything starts in your home. Can you have reinforcements? Absolutely. There's a lot of things you can do to reinforce what happens in your home. But your home is the number one determinant as to how your, your children are going to follow God and serve them later on. So think about this. How could Joseph, I mean, think about this. How could Joseph raise kids that have a heart for God while living in Egypt where basically any God, there's a sun God, there's a fertility God, the Nile River is a God, and he's in the middle of all this. There's probably a very small remnant, remnant of, 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 other, of other Christians, you know, if at all, people who believe in God. And, you know, how could they, how could his, they, his children, 
resist the temptations of Egypt. You know, how could they resist buying into the philosophy of life that permeated in Egypt? Could you imagine raising your kids in a place where there are no other people that believe like you? So everywhere they go, when they go to school, when they go out, everything that they see is contrary to how you're trying to raise them. I mean, think, think about this. And I'm just saying, don't think that the odds are so hard to raise good kids. Joseph had it worse. And here's the answer. The answer is this. The home life that Joseph offered his children had nothing to do with Egypt. His kids saw firsthand how the people of Egypt lived, but when they came home, it was a different environment. It was different in the home of, in the home of Joseph. Joseph did not buy into the Egyptian way of life, and there was, here's the big word for church, there was no hypocrisy in his home. When I, when I was a youth pastor, I guess this has turned into Transparency Day. When I was a youth pastor, and God blessed us in family life at Lafayette, and we, we, we had hundreds of kids come to the group. We had 150 kids at one time. And, and here, here's what I learned. You know the hardest kid to reach for God were kids who were raised in church and their parents were hypocrites. Parents who say one thing at church and live in a different way. I had a better success ratio with kids who got saved and their parents were total heathens. The, but there, there, see, there's something different. When we say something at home, when we say something that our home doesn't reflect it, that confuses our kids. That's great confusion. Why do mom and dad act like they're Christians? Why are they saying all this stuff and then... They don't act any different at home than the, than the people whose other house I go to. That is great confusion. Fathers, we have to, we have to, uh, have, whatever we say is important. If we say we're God-fearing Christians, then we have to have that in our homes. Our homes can't be filled with hypocrisy. We can't say one thing and do another. We have to do what we actually say. So, I mean, let, let's just think about this. And, and here's another big thing. I'm just throwing this out here. But, you know, we, we, we need to reinforce what happens in our home. And there's a lot of good ways we can do that. You know, send your kids to youth groups. Send them to Christian camps. Send them to children's church. There are all kind of great accessories that can help mold us. But I just want to tell you this. You can get, send your kid to every Christian program in the world. If they come home to your house and it's full of hypocrisy, you haven't, you haven't done yourself any favors. So the language in our home should reflect Christ. The way we treat and talk about other people should reflect Christ. Our priority should be Christ-centered, kingdom first, and, and, and what gives us the most joy and satisfaction should reflect Christ. I hope that you're thinking, because you're really, really quiet. Did I step on your toes? Did I step on your Oh, a lady said, this is good, I'm just blasting the fathers here. 
Are you with me, guys? I just want, I want to get you to think because you know like Joseph, if we do these three things, we know that we're going to be successful. 100% success ratio. And I know this is challenging. I, I know this is very challenging for our fathers. But success as a father, it's earned. It's not given. It's earned by the way that we live. So we have to decide to live differently than the average fathers. And we have to set the example uh, for our children of the way that we, that we want them to live. Joseph lived in the heart of Egypt, but his heart never belonged to Egypt. Guys, we're living in the heart of Egypt, in the heart of materialism, in the heart of individualism, in the heart of people who say you have the right to do anything you want. We're living in the heart of that. We can live in the heart of Egypt and, and still reflect the heart of Christ because we, we're not letting Egypt get, get into us. And his kids saw his example and, and followed it in their lives. And uh, kids don't do what you tell them to do. Kids do what we do. They do what we do. Where our heart is, their heart will be. Would you, would you stay with me today? Actually, I just want the guys to stand. Let me have the worship team come on out this morning. So guys, we have a tremendous challenge. We have a tremendous challenge that we're living in Egypt, but we don't want our families to reflect Egypt. We want our families to reflect Israel. We want our, our, we want our, our families, our homes to reflect God. And, and we, we know it's tough, but here's the deal. If Joseph can do it, if Joseph can do it, then we can do it, right? And we say, we can do it. We can do it. It's all a decision for us. And I just want to pray a blessing over you guys. Would you just raise your hands with me?